0: it is so good to be with you today. Um, last night, we had a Christmas party at our home for the elders, the active elders and the people on session in the life of the church. The, the only way that they would come over to the house is if I promised that all the TVs would be on during the party. And in fact, one of them said, I am so excited to go to my pastor's house for this evening because I'm looking for some extra help for this particular game. And then as the game went on and it unceremoniously ended, I had to kind of not graciously exit a conversation to head over to the door as people started to flood out the door. And, uh, and he's like, hey, where are you going? And I said, I have to go do pastoral care at the door on the way out. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody here today that we have leaders from the church available at the foot of the cross, <laughs> that immediately after this service, we have elders and people who are willing to pray with you and to... Pray for you whether you bring joy or disappointment to that journey. We are glad that you are here. Well, we have officially turned the page in the calendar from the Thanksgiving season into the season of Christmas the anticipation, the longing for Christ to be born anew. One of the great hymns that we sing. At this time of year is the one, O little town of Bethlehem. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today this is our prayer not just that jesus was born a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away but that he's born anew in our hearts in our minds in our lives that that the gospel that was promised and given as a down payment in the life of christ is something that continues through the spirit each and every day and particularly this season as we celebrate the great promises that god is near. As we talk about God being born in us, this is kind of our syllabus, this is our outline for the Christmas season. We're going to be talking about a teenager's faith, a carpenter's courage, a scholar's hope, a shepherd's humility, and a father's love. As we walk through this journey, we hope and pray that Christmas will not just be something that we celebrate, it will be something that gets birthed within our own hearts. Several years ago in the Conwisher family... Danica, our oldest, was three years old. This is what she looked like at the time. And as a typical three-year-old girl, there wasn't a moment where she ever left the house where she didn't have some form of princess swag on her. And so as she was at the San Antonio Zoo at this point, she wasn't just going to go to the zoo. She was going to go to the zoo with a princess crown on on. And every single day was a rotation of some variant of a princess costume or a theme. You never knew which princess she was going to try to emulate, and her kind of imagination was going to run wild. She was going to be Princess Ariel. She was going to be Princess Aurora. She was going to be Princess Belle. And I didn't really know all of these princesses, but I was beginning to learn about them, but I was smart enough to buy some Disney stock. At that moment in time, because I could tell what was happening uh, to my daughter. Well, one December day, I came home from work, was helping with Kelly a little bit in the kitchen, and she said, "Why don't you go ahead and get Danica so that uh, we can have dinner?" And so I go to Danica's room and and I say, "Hey, Danica, it's time to come for dinner." And she's like, putting both hands on her hips, she's like, "I'm not Danica," and I'm like, "Well, who are you?" And she's like, "I'm Princess Mary." and I'm like, well, I'm not familiar with that Disney film. Which one is that one? And she rolled her eyes, and she's like, Papa, Princess Mary from the Bible. And so the pastor starts to clue in that, yes, she's starting to saturate in the, the Christmas story. And so I'm kind of excited. Well, I'm like, well, let's go to dinner together, Princess Mary. Does that mean that I get to be Joseph? And she goes, no. And I said, well, does that mean that I get to be a wise man. And from the kitchen, I hear Kelly say, not in a million years. You stay out of this. This is between me and Danica. So I say, well, do I get to be a shepherd at least? And she's like, nope. And I'm like, well, who do I get to be if you get to be Princess Mary? And she says, without any sarcasm, she says, you're the donkey. I'm tired. Get down on all fours. I want to ride. <laughs> She gets her bossiness from her mother. And it's exactly what I did. And Princess Mary got to ride the donkey into the kitchen. It is so easy for us when we come to this time of year and in particular to encounter Mary's part of the story and to not only view it through the rose colored glasses and to see it through the nostalgia of the season But if we dig a little deeper, we find that, you know, really our relationship with Christmas is almost like we view it as a a fairy tale. Um, You know, Protestants, because of the controversy surrounding Mary, we tend to ignore her. Catholics, they tend to venerate her and pray to her. And what gets lost in between the controversy and the mythology is that there is this gritty reality of this teenage girl who is about to face incredible shame and maybe even the loss of her life. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. How will this be, asked Mary, since I am still a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word be to me fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It is so easy for us to look back and to think of it as a fairy tale, but the first Christmas was not the kind of thing from Mary's perspective that you would put in painting or on a cartoon or as a part of a fairy tale or a Christmas card it was a very different reality for her. I want you to walk back into the reality of what this was like for Mary. She was a peasant. She was uneducated. She was probably around 15 years old. She was promised in an arranged marriage. People often sold one another into marriage in order to pay the debts of the family. This was a Roman occupied territory. Taxes were as high as 80%. One out of every two women who gave birth died delivering a child. This is the reality to which Mary was facing when God came and promised her that she was going to have a child. She couldn't figure this out, and couldn't God have waited a few months for this? Apparently not. And so Mary is facing all kinds of shame, even the risk of her life. It was against the law to have a child out of wedlock. And so there's a series of questions that Mary would have been facing. Would her family disown her? Would Joseph leave her? Would the community forgive her? Would the mob kill her? And I know that we don't want to talk about it, and I know that it makes us a little uncomfortable to push past the mystique of Christmas and into the reality of Christmas, but can we talk honestly and plainly for a moment that that Mary, as she comes to this story, she had options. She had the option of saying that, A Roman soldier had taken advantage of her because that happened all the time, but that's not what she does. She had the option of disappearing for a while because teenage girls had a tendency to disappear because they had been abducted because that happened all the time. Mary could have taken a crude and dangerous approach to ending the pregnancy because that happened all the time. But Mary doesn't do any of those things. And unless you are willing to grapple with the dark reality of the circumstances of Mary's actual life, you will never understand the radical nature of the words of what she says when she says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to to your word. Is that how you would have responded to this news from God? An angel approaches Mary and gives her a particular greeting. He says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And even though Mary was an uneducated woman, she would have immediately recognized these terms from the synagogue of these words being recited over and over again. For this is the exact same greeting that God gave to Noah when he was called to build an ark. And that this was the very same greeting that God had given to Gideon when he was called to raise up an army, that this was the very same greeting that God gave to Samuel in order for him to raise up the next generation of preachers. God didn't talk to women this way. How can this be? Why has God chosen me, she has to ask. I think the answer is found this way, that God doesn't need fame, God doesn't need fortune, God doesn't need force. All that God requires is faith. That if God had needed fame, he would have gone to Hollywood. If God would have needed fortune, he would have gone to Wall Street. If God would have needed force, he would have gone to the Pentagon. But God came in a particular moment of time, in a particular moment of history, in what appears to be an obscure part of the world, a poor peasant family, and said, Here, this is where I have found faith. As you read the first couple of chapters of the book of Luke, you have to recall that there's not one but two miraculous conception stories that are told in juxtaposition to one another in contrast with one another in order to make a very important point, that the first miraculous conception story is the story of Zechariah. It's Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. He wins the lottery. He gets to go into the Holy of Holies. He is in the most sacred place where God's presence was said to uniquely dwell when God communicates to him that in his his old age that they are going to have a child. Remember that Luke is a physician, and he is the most likely to be skeptical about women post-menopause having babies and young women who have never been with someone having babies. But Luke, the physician, puts these two stories together into a contrast to let you know that it is not Zachariah. It is not the priest. It is not the religious elite. It is not the educated. The real faith was found in a teenage girl in the most desperate and vulnerable of circumstances. Zechariah responds with doubt and is struck mute. Mary brings her questions and her uncertainty but responds with faith. She says, how can this be? But it becomes, here am I. She's asking, but she's also available. Earlier this year, I had the privilege with a team of people from Peachtree to go over to the country of Malawi. Malawi is where we have our most significant international investment. We've been involved in a community over there for over 10 years. And you need to know that when you go from this part of Atlanta to Malawi, the first thing that strikes you is the poverty. And it's not just what you see, it's what you smell. This is a kitchen in the Chitipa area. This is a grocery store. Notice it doesn't say Publix, it says, Life is a Gamble Grocery. Because if you buy something there, you are taking your life in your hands if you actually eat it. This is a job with childcare. She is selling bananas by balancing it on the top of her head. And if you can tell, the little bow on the backside she's carried, she's strapped a child to her back while she stands in the heat. And this is their version of justice. They don't necessarily wait for the police. This was a car for which there had been a drunk driving incident when a pedestrian had been killed. They didn't wait for the cops to come. Instead, they flipped the car over and they torched it and they took matters into their own hands. This is more akin to the environment in which Jesus was born and the promise was given to Mary than what it's like for us. While I was there, I was looking for a young person, a teenager, and I wanted to find a teenager that I could pray for specifically and care for and bless, and I wanted to give that teenager my particular Bible and say, don't ever let go. Of these promises While I was there I met that teenager This is his picture His name is Bonaventure And I would love to introduce you To his story
1: Welcome to today's lesson uh, Chemistry lesson and today we're going to uh, proceed by looking at neutralization uh, reactions under acid and bases. Are we together? Class, what is the meaning of acid? Yes. Uh, gracious Skyler.
2: Students don't have to look back in this high school chemistry class. The answer is right in front of them. Grab hands for yourself. His name is Bonaventure Keonga, and he's more than a teacher in this small Malawi school He's an example of what a helping hand can do. Yes, my friend. It is neutral, right? Because school is not free in Malawi, and students worry
1: about paying fees. Just two to three drops. You can even add, there is no problem. What has happened here? The color has changed, right?
2: The color has changed. So change is the real lesson here. How third world poverty is not an insurmountable barrier, but an obstacle that can be overcome.
1: They are saying we cannot manage, but as long as I'm here, I was trying to shed them. You can also do. As you see, I'm young, and you are just, uh, maybe we just differ with some uh, three or four years with the student. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to encourage them, please, work hard. You can also do this, like this, doing this.
2: And with each lesson comes another drop of hope. Because he, too, was once a forgotten child in the forgotten district of Chitipa, where single mothers with large families struggle to feed their children, let alone send them to school. It's the first thing Peachtree prayed for when it began holding hands with community churches, sponsoring kids like Bonaventure just to give them a fighting chance.
0: We're trying to have an impact that's beyond just being merciful. We want to change the scorecard. We want to we change people's stories. It's what? It's the
2: neutral, right? But there's nothing neutral about Bonaventure's story, an eight-year experiment with far-reaching results.
1: When I was in Form 1, I was picked to say that, we are going to pay school fees for you. I started working hard. I'm telling you, I was working hard, really. And then, uh, 2014, I went to university. Uh, we celebrated. We celebrated March. Because it was the first thing. Will
2: happen in our family. And now Bonaventure celebrated as one of Peachtree's first college graduates. Which gives even the youngest kids a reason to dance and jump for joy because secondary school is a move they can all make now. And even college is no longer a childish dream.
1: About our today's lesson, what can you say? They don't have a lot of role
2: models of people from their community that have actually gone on and had an opportunity to do higher education. So it's one thing for somebody to say, oh, you could go to college. But it's another thing when they start to see a peer go to college and be successful. With Bonaventure's success comes praise with a mixture of scripture to make it clear.
1: There is a verse to say that, uh, uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you. So, I said, I think this verse is very right, because I praise God very much, because I know that everything to happen is God. So, this experiment is very, very important.
2: It's important because the results aren't always the same, and dreams can easily shatter.
0: I was sitting with a group of boys that have, are close to the end of their secondary school or their high school journey. And I asked them, I said, what would you be doing if you hadn't been sponsored? And they said, well, it's just at the end of harvest. And we would probably have picked a bunch of crops and now we'd be drunk. Because there's nothing else to do.
2: <laughs> and
0: for the girls, for them, they look at you and their eyes well up and they, they say, if I didn't go to high school, I'd be married by now. For us, when we think about education, we think about making your life marginally better. I might go to a, a better college. I might get a better job. Here, this is a matter of life and death. Not just for an individual, but for the, the country. Whenever you have added a base which is having a functional group or age. But
2: Bonaventure's lesson is not over yet. There's one more exemplary step, and that's giving back for all that he's received to make a better Malawi. Maybe building
1: a hospital, maybe building a school, maybe sponsoring our fellow students. That's what I'm dreaming to say, that I can assist a community in this form. Ask me another question, if there is a question. Yes. If there is a chance, please try to continue with others, because they are really struggling. But when I talk of these students, they are really performing. And I'm sure that just because of your sponsorship, that's why they're working hard to say that one time we can also reach uh, the level of Bonaventure, of which is me. Clap hands for yourself. (laughs) This marks the end of our lesson today. Thank you.
0: When God came to earth, he entrusted not just his message, but his life to a teenage girl. And I don't think that we're called to enter into the beauty of the Christmas story with just rose-colored glasses, with warmth and anticipation I think we're actually called to follow the pattern of what God did at Christmas. To find a young person, a teenager, and to put your confidence in them. This is a living example for me. My daughter is 15 years old, about that age of Mary, and in our modern society she's learning how to drive pretty hard to put your faith in a teenager when they're behind the wheel of a car in Atlanta traffic. I wonder if there is a teenager that you're called to put your faith in. It's one thing to say that you believe in God. It's another thing for you to believe that God believes in you. It is one thing for you to tell another person that they should believe in God. It's another thing for you to tell that person that God believes in you and to back it up not just with your words but with your life. Never underestimate what can happen through the faith of a teenager. A.W. Tozer puts it best. He says it like this. Anything that God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. Anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. And I just want to leave that slide up up on the screen for a moment as we anticipate and we prepare to come to the table. And let me ask you, do you believe those words? That nothing is impossible with God that God is the God of anything. For surely I know the plans I have for you, God says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a future. And if we believe that, are we living that out for others or are we just accepting it for ourselves? At the end of the day, the one verse that I want you to just grab a hold of is what it says in this story, for no word from God will ever fail. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your challenges, regardless of your questions, no matter what options may be before you, choose the road of faith. And Let's pray. We thank you, O holy child of Bethlehem, that you can be born in us, that you can give us, that you can strengthen, you can increase our faith. Lord, help us to enter into the gritty reality of the story, to move from mythology into history, a place of shame where surrender overtakes giving up. Lord, thank you that your story is more than a fairy tale and that we can bring our questions and even with dire options before us, we can learn to say, I am the Lord's servant. And so greet us as you did, the heroes of the Bible long ago. Shower us with your favor and help us to live beyond fame and fortune and force and to rely on faith. Make there not only be miraculous conceptions of long ago, but may there be ones today where we are able to respond, here am I, where poverty is overcome, where Bibles are given, where anything is possible, and no word from you will ever fail for we pray all of these things with anticipation and we pray them in the strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said.